Hello and welcome once again to Crazy oh, Comics and panic. Stories. So, panic, shovel, oh, what are we going to do? Supplies, we're going to get everything. Toilet paper, get the toilet paper. We need to get more toilet paper. Oh, plenty of hornet and wasp removal. Oh. oh, oh, fuck. I think I'm ready. For the podcast? No, for the, for the blizzard. Didn't, I drove by Dairy Queen. Sign said blizzard today. Oh, when did DQ start announcing the weather? Oh, I'm panicking. I'm panicking, I'm telling you. Not really. At the other end of the series of tubes and wires that we call the internet Fiber. is Joe. Fiber. Crazy I don't use wires like you normal mortals. <sighs> oh, I think I'm just going to read Alpha Flight 6 while the, while the, while it's snowing. That'll make me feel better. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about the snow later on. Actually, I was going to talk about something that I thought would have been interesting because there was one time... Maybe a couple times I actually had a blizzard while I had the shop going on. Probably more than one. I remember that that super cold, brutal day where I think you were there where we did what? Five dollars and sixty-five cents ninety-five cents in sales. It was like one candy bar and one pack of magic or something like that. But I keep thinking like in a blizzard like this, now a lot of the country's getting hit with nasty weather. I mean it's it's going from like one end down to the other. And if you're not getting, we're in the Minneapolis area getting oodles of snow, oodles. I mean, it went from, yeah, we were probably getting six, uh, maybe eight, maybe 10, maybe 22 inches of snow, two feet. Well, that's your word for two feet. But I started thinking like, okay, what would happen now when I owned the shop and a, I knew a blizzard like this was coming? Almost a tales from the shop. And what occurred to me is that two things. First of all, both Mike, Big Mike and Little Mike came in from quite a ways. Mike came from Hudson, which in reality is like a 12-mile drive, but in a blizzard, it could be 1,200 miles. And Mike came up from, I think, where did they? They lived in Cottage Grove, I think, directly yeah. south. And in today's environment, it would be like, okay, I got my books on Tuesday. We're going to set everything up. Guys, I will cover the shop tomorrow because I'm only like a mile away from the shop, two miles because, you know, I tend not to drive across the lake, even if it is frozen. So I, when I knew it was going to snow or be bad weather, especially like it is now, I would just tell the guys, I will cover it. You stay home. Because I don't think either one of them had four-wheel drive. If they thought they could make it, fine. But I would say, no, don't do it. I'd rather you just be safe and then maybe do your catch-up day on Thursday. And then maybe I'd take Thursday off. Or I'd go for gas. Go for gas. I do know that one of the first things Gruber bought when we had the shop was a futon. Because... He figured the same thing. He wasn't, he didn't drive. He either walked or bust or his parents would give him a ride. And again, he was only a mile or two from the shop. So it wasn't like a long ways. But that way, if it snowed, he would just bring a lot of food with him and water. And we had candy and pop. So it wasn't like we were going to starve. Plenty of entertainment and television. 
And you had Rob Restaurant next door. If yeah, and they were they were open. Ming the Merciless. Domino's across the street, a gas station across the street. So Pat bought a futon, and unfortunately it wasn't a couch futon, which is what I thought he was gonna get. He got actually more like a beach chair futon. And it would just be in the back. Oh yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. So if he needed to crash, he could. I know the original owner, Brian Messick, you know, currently out in K and B toys and collectibles out in Menominee, <laughs> plug. He said, yeah, I remember just sleeping in the window, you know, because we in the original shop, we had a really nice front window that was area that was carpeted. And he would just curl up and go to sleep. So no sense going home. I'll just be here in the following morning. So we had plans to do that. I never had to do that. I don't recall. I, I know I must have had a snow day or two. Because I do remember changing the announcement. Hey, we're closed today. Come in tomorrow. But I, the other thing I remember, and I, I said I think I've said this story before, was I know when I had the shop with Pat, he would drive to work downtown Minneapolis from the east side of St. Paul. Rush hour blizzard is pretty crappy drive. I gave him a call. I got up to the shop. I think I opened at noon back then and gave him a call. So I was doing, oh my, wouldn't that drive to work terrible? Ah, yeah, that take no, 20 minutes. It took me like an hour and a half. I go, I know. It took me like 10 minutes to get here. <laughs> ah, thank you. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Nowadays, it, it, the way, if the storm, if I had the shop and the way I got books the way I did then, it would have been a little tougher because Books arrived on Wednesday. I had no idea if UPS would make it Wednesday. I would go try to get the books on Wednesday, which had been a crappy drive. Yeah, I, I know some of the shops are already like, hey, be safe. We're not going to, uh, we'll, we'll give you an announcement if we're going to be closed. And the way the snow is going to drop is weird because it's like a three-day event. But we'll talk more about that when we get to freaking and geeking. But I just, it was just something that occurred to me. You know, what would I do with the shop? A big thing is, in today's environment, get all the books ready, and the guys take the day off. I will cover the shop. And then more than likely, just sit there. My normal hours were, what, 11 to 8? I had a four-wheel drive at the time. I got a four-wheel driver now. So I'd have no problem. I don't need to be. I'd just sleep. i go to sleep now. Uh, there was only one time I slept at the comic shop, and it wasn't yours. It was Schinder's, and that was uh, when my car broke down on Christmas Eve. Oh. And there were no taxis running from Eden Prairie to Chaska till the morning. Hmm. I literally had to call the downtown store and say, I have no way home. I'm not going to be setting the alarm. I need to let you know I'm not setting the alarm because I have to sleep here tonight. And what did they? <laughs> they were like, okay, we'll, we'll, because if the alarm wasn't set, you know, the alarm company would call and say, hey, your alarm wasn't set. And you probably had sort of the same thing, where if the alarm wasn't set by a certain time, they'd give you a call and go, hey, uh, your alarm isn't set. Is is everything okay? Actually, I didn't, but go on. Well, Shinders did. So uh, 6 a.m., somebody called Shinders, went in the racing form. 7 a.m., somebody called, and yeah, well, we we're sending a taxi out there, so I got home around 8.30 that morning after sleeping. 
the good thing was I had stuff in the car, so I was able to kind of make make a pillow, and I used my coat as my blanket. And, ugh, not a pretty, not a pretty thing. It wasn't because it snows, because uh, like many people in their early twenties, I had shitty cars because I couldn't afford good ones. Yeah, but, but that's not what we're here to talk about. No, we're not. No, uh, we had the first movie of Marvel's Phase Five come out. So I did thought, you see it? Did you see it? I have not. I did I, not get a chance I to see it. Don't know if I'm going to, but I'm going to. I want to. Maybe on a five dollar movie night. But I thought we could go over the what Marvel has planned for their Phase Five and DC announced their phase one basically so we could go over those now joe which do you want to talk first dc or marvel i doesn't really matter you get to choose you decide how about non-dc or marvel <laughs> sorry no, uh, nobody cares let's do no, DC. more uh, okay they've announced another hellboy reboot yeah yeah <laughs> Hey, and people are like, can't you just finish the trilogy you started? No. Let, let's, uh, I would say go DC because everybody's kind of, oh, James Gunn is destroying or or making DC. Uh, I, I'm just going to quote Tony Isabella, as he put a couple days ago on his Facebook. It's just a source of annoyance to him. Whenever a new Marvel movie debuts, we get a flood of texts from haters proclaiming this is the end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. By Odin's blood, you are both annoying and boring. Give it a rest. You don't like movies? Don't go see them. As they say in Texas, bless your heart. So there's always a lot of that. And I, say, I, I ignore it ever since oh, Captain Marvel's going to be a huge bomb. Well, it made a billion dollars. A billion with a B. Yeah. And of course, there's always the butthurt fanboys that, oh man, look, they're making a Avengers movie, all oh, with the women Avengers. And I think these misogynistic, small, you know what, guys. Minded. That's a good way of putting it. Small minded guys. Small minded guys never had a woman in their life because most of the time, and I always talk about it. My, I, I gauge a movie whether it's going to be successful or not by if my wife is interested in it or is kind of like, eh. And most of the movies she's seen, she's liked. And again, my daughters usually see them too because they're, they, they either will or they won't. So that to me is a key. It doesn't always have to be about you guys. And the other thing that I want to point out, since we're a comic book podcast is i want to point out the comics that that are being used for this so that if you're interested you can go buy them or not so let's start with the dc the first movie in the new dc universe is the only one check out the guns the only one with the release date and that's july 11th of 2025 superman legacy Oh, I thought you were going to start with Flash. That is not considered part of this. These are the ones that James Gunn is helming. Now, there's Flash and a few others that Flash and Aquaman, too, I think. I don't know if there's another one. But Gunn is smart. What he'll do is the old crisis reboot. Somehow. 
and again, I don't think he will because it probably costs too much to bring everybody back for a quick cameo. Because in my brain, you just, okay, they're going up against Darkseid. We've already seen him. We already know who the fight. We've already seen the fight start. Something happens. Everybody loses. There's a flash of white or red, if you want, for us, you know, old crisis guys. But you've got crisis in place. So you do what Marvel may or may not do with the big multiverse. Yeah, they it happened, but that's not what we're concentrating on. So, again, you've got the mechanism in play. Maybe Flashpoint coming up in Flash. Will yeah, be that. that's I, what I, I was don't... thinking. Flashpoint, if if they want, they could just use Flashpoint as a way to sort of say, all right, everything's new. Yeah. And they've already tied into the crisis, the CW crisis, which was yeah. a lot of fun. So, OK, so we're not we're not covering those. So Superman Legacy. Uh, it's going to have, uh, let's see, an all new Superman. And if you want to know where he's getting the inspiration, it is coming from All Star Superman, the Grant Morrison, Frank Quitely book that John Byrne has gone on record as saying is the worst Superman story ever told. <laughs> right. <laughs> As I'm reading Alpha Flight 6. Anyways, they, uh, I, I like the idea of the reboot because I, I was against it because I like Henry Carville. Cavill? Carville? Ah, you know me. I never pronounce nothing right. One of these days, somebody's going to call us and go, I need to talk to you about the way he's pronouncing my name. <laughs> Come on on. Superman. How did, how did Julia Schwartz say it? He's perpetually 30 or 25 or something. 29. Like 29. So you need to have a younger guy. I don't know if you need to go back like Grant Morrison did in Superman now, because when Superman started, he was a scamp. You know, he was anti-authoritarian. He would just as while he was saving innocence, thumb his nose at the authorities, be it a cop or a politician. Again, we, we badmouth John Byrne, but the way John Byrne had Superman kind of introduced seemed to be the way to do it. And again, all star Superman. Oh, hell yeah. I got that in an absolute as a keeper. That's a fun read. I wonder how far they'll they'll go with it, or are they just starting with it? Well, I don't think you can do the whole story, seeing as how with the way it ends. But I do like the idea of Superman as kind of this science fiction being, which in a lot of ways the he was create the first Superman story, which was destroyed. And then they redid it when they, when Siegel and Schuster um, created it, they re redid everything. He was more of a science fiction character. And even when you go back and you read the early stories, don't think superhero because superheroes didn't exist yet. He was very much a science fiction creature. He had come from an alien. He was an alien on earth. And I think going back to that, kind of a good idea the next one is going to be the authority which in a lot of ways to me is a weird choice first off it's a wild storm book which means that dc will probably make enough money off the authority to offset whatever they paid for Wildstorm back in the day a hundredfold but the characters are kind of odd and they're not easily graspable it's like, okay, Joe, 
What's the Flash do? He is the fastest man alive. What does Superman do? Truth, justice, and the American way. What does Jack Hawksmore do? <laughs> well, you better explain it to me then. <laughs> Jack Hawksmore is physically is psychically bonded to cities, drawing his strength from them. They're not easy characters and powers to get across, but when Warren Ellis changed uh, Stormwatch into the authority, his idea was make it like a big screen movie. These are the, you know, these are the heroes who they are in. They are coming to take over because they can. They're good guys, but they're still taking over. And the fact that they chose that as the second movie, I find really interesting. When you go to pick up the comics, don't just pick up The Authority by Warren Ellis and then Mark Miller. Also pick up that Stormwatch because that sets everything up for The Authority. And I believe they're all they're all out of print right now. But they're not terribly expensive. Well, DC's going back to print on all of this stuff. You can can find them. You They're going back to print on all of this. Gave me one to look up uh, a couple days ago, and it didn't have any heat. So there may be some that are hot, but like Corey said, don't go crazy on them. The one thing that the authority did have is the concept of the bleed, which is DC's version of how you travel between multiverses. In between them is the bleed. So that may set up DC's potential long-term crisis. Just a thought. Uh, the next book is Brave. The next book, the next movie will be Brave and the Bold. With or without Batman? Uh, this is a Batman book that will be in a father-son story inspired by the Grant Morrison series. And that oh. series was inspired by the animated show. I, huh? No. There was a three season Batman animated series that was kind of inspired by the Brave and the Bold team ups. So, Brave and the Bold is going to be introducing Batman and Robin, who is Damian Wayne. Now, does this mean it, they're going to go with the full Robin origin of he's a Batman? where Ra's al Ghul takes um, Talia's DNA and Batman's DNA and mixes them to the sun. I, what I was going <laughs> to ask is, see, the problem is, is okay, we don't need a Batman origin. He's kind of like Spider-Man. We know yeah. the origin. We don't need the origin anymore. But is does that mean, see, what it's going to mean is Batman's already established. Did he have a Robin? And is that Robin going to, is there a Nightwing on the schedule? Which could be cool. Is there, was there a Tim Drake? Is this like the third Robin or is it all that out the window and Damien will be the first Robin? Which isn't a bad idea because Damien is a bit of a prick. So it'll be an interesting counterpoint. But. And I also think Robin was introduced in Batman to kind of lighten it up. Yeah. Yeah, And I think the Batman movies, there is going to be a second uh, Batman with, um, with uh, what's his name? I, I don't even know anymore. Yeah, neither do I. I and it's not but because... He's the one that's coming after The Flash, which will have Ben Affleck 
Michael Keaton. So whoever the new Batman is, who have we seen him yet? No, we haven't um, seen him yet. Yeah, we have in we have? the Batman. Oh, I didn't even see that. So strike yeah. one. So, but it's going to be that Batman. So, okay, so that's a little different because then he's established already. It's not like this is a brand new James Gunn Batman. It's uh, Robert Pattinson. We don't know if this is going to be Robert Pattinson or not. But since uh, Superman's coming out in 2025, you have to imagine this will be coming out in 2026 or 2027. So Robert Pattinson will be older. And he will look older. He will be in his 40s by that time. So he could, you know, he could look the part of a Batman who has a kid. And again, if you want to uh, pick up this, it would be be the uh, Batman and Son by Grant Morrison or the uh, Grant Morrison Omnibus Batman Volume 1, which you should already have anyway, because it's freaking awesome. Awesome. I haven't read any of Grant Morrison's run. I do really. Own, I do own them in omnibuses. Oh, Joe, do yourself a favor. You will thank me. I have them all. I'm assuming they're. I don't think they're all out, but yeah, all three are out. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You keep talking. I'm gonna go read. Uh, next up is Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Based on Tom King's winning comic stories, presents the Supergirl viewers are not used to seeing. The story is that Supergirl wanted some time off and ended up on the far side of the universe and needs to make her way back. And through the story, we don't have the uh, super sweet, aw, golly gee, small town girl, Supergirl. This is a Supergirl who's kind of, I don't want to say grittier, but more... More of a grown-up, annoyed person. (laughs) She's annoyed by things. Because she's Supergirl. She's got all this power, and yet crappy things happen to her. Giving her kind of her own personality for the first time in forever. Boy, I bet you people are wishing you bought Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, aren't you? I imagine... I imagine the uh, comic issues are insane, but they're going to yeah. make sure the trade paperback stays in print. I feel good because I got like 20 copies of the blank sketch variant. Not because, I'm because that's what I want. you want. You like Supergirl. Well, and I ran out of the Supergirl one from Supergirl now. So and and then the last movie that they have announced is Swamp Thing, very much based on the Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Now that see this these are things that like Swamp Thing I would die for as a TV series because it would rock and you would be able to do the elements so fine. Of course, we're spoiled. I'm thinking of things like uh, Neil Gaiman working Sandman for Netflix. And I, yeah, I enjoyed Peacemaker too, but I don't know. James not doing anything with the TV side of the world, is he? No, he is in charge of the TV side of the world. In oh, fact, okay. he is writing the first new DC Universe TV show, Creature Commandos. That could be fun. Uh, that be, James was, Gunn is writing it. It's seven episodes. Amanda Waller forms a super team 
out of Monstrous Prisoners, Creature Commandos is one of those books where the idea of it was far better than the comic ever was. Yeah. It And it was set, well, the original was set in World War II, and it's Frankenstein's monster, uh, Wolfman, a vampire, you know, monsters fighting Nazis. <laughs> and I'm sorry, they should just do that. We're oh, going to yeah. have monsters fighting Nazis. There you but go. this is a team created by Amanda Waller, who in a lot of ways is going to become the big bad of the new DC universe. Amanda? Yep, Amanda Waller. She's going to be the bad? She's not a good person. Oh, Waller. I'm sorry. I was thinking Amanda Connor. Never mind. She's the artist. <laughs> yes, uh, Amanda Connor and her husband, Jimmy Palmiardi. I wonder the if bad it'll guys. Be that. They're going to be the bad guys. And if it happens, we get a slice of the action because we suggested it. I um, wonder if... Is it going to be the same actress that we've seen before? Or you think yes. she's recast? Yes. Um, Viola Davis will be the star because right after Creature Commandos, we get Waller, a city series uh, dedicated to Amanda Waller. Viola Davis is signed to do it. DC Universe says the show will follow Team Peacemaker. Oh. And it's almost a sequel to Peacemaker. Peacemaker was fun. I yes, hope you get a chance to see it. The other one that our pal Mike Johnson over at PWInsiderElite.com is in love with is Booster Gold is getting a series. He loves Booster Gold. Loves All Booster right. Gold. Let's see. Okay. okay. To the Ebays, I imagine Booster Gold, number one, has gone insane. Actually, I know it has because I was at a uh, comic thing over the weekend. Holy shit, it's already over 90 bucks. A book that languished. Although, think about it, John. It's 30 years old. Doesn't matter. It's going to go for a lot more than that because for years it was in the quarter bins. So good, oh, yeah, yeah. good condition, good condition versions of that are going to cost a fortune. Joe, I have a question since you're on the Ebays. All right. How much is the Booster Gold Showcase? All right. I'm... Because they did not print a lot of those. I'm sorry, I'm trying to find, I'm still trying to find Booster Gold number one. And being that there's been a few series already. When did that come out originally? 1985. And Jan Jurgens said that it was the first post-crisis comic, even though it came out during crisis. He also says that the Superman appearance in issue three is the first post-crisis Superman. Wow, there are not many on the on the uh ebays uh the first one comes up from the uk for like 70 bucks plus 30 dollars shipping i mean uh yep that's the first one too late if you don't have them you're screwed and there's people selling sets for like upwards well that's nah, not a set one three ten fifteen twenty five hike for 130 bucks so yeah you had your chance it's gone so but the showcase let's find out know if i kept mine booster gold showcase ebay's search algorithm sucks because it's like now they're coming up with all sorts of you know booster gold number 17 uh where's the word showcase in that fortunately you can go to advanced and go exact words exact orders which may 
No exact matches found. On Amazon, it's selling for 85 bucks. I'm just going to reverse the prices and go highest to lowest. So there is a 9.8 Canadian price variant for 3,800 bucks, but that's not what. <laughs> um, I can tell. Oh, there's one. Yep, about 50 bucks. Starting bid, 50 bucks. Another 30 bucks coming from UK. Uh, next is Lanterns, which is about the Green Lantern Corps, Hal Jordan and John Stewart. As a buddy cop team up, DC Studios says it will be an enormous TV event series focusing on the two unraveling a dark mystery. I I really think they've got to have John Stewart with John Stewart being the Green Lantern that was in the Justice League cartoon for people 30 and under, John Stewart is their Green Lantern. It's not Kyle because Kyle was not on the cartoon. People grew up watching the Bruce Tim stuff and when they went from Batman to Superman to Justice League, John Stewart was the Green Lantern and people well, John Stewart's Green Lantern. That's why I think a lot of people, when the Green Lantern movie came out, I remember a lot of people in their 20s saying, who's Hal Jordan? Because he had been out of the comics for years and years and years until Jeff Johns brought him back. So... And then the last one they have announced is Paradise Lost, which is a Wonder Woman TV series. The drama focuses on the genesis and political intrigue on an island of all women. Sounds very Game of Thronesy. Yeah, I I think Wonder Woman should be saved for the big screen. I'm kind of surprised that they did not do a Wonder Woman movie because I know the first one was a huge success. The second one, a lot of people did not much care for. They might have the same problem that Marvel has with X-Men. There may be contracts involved where Gal Gadot may be guaranteed three movies. Yeah. So they've got to give her another movie that's not a Wonder Woman movie to sort of get out of the contract or something. Hard to say. Hard to say. They don't tell us mere mortals this. I'm kind of curious how much of this will actually happen versus because, as we all know, the guy in charge of Time Warner is a, a notorious Arvin Goodman type penny pincher. So, again, I'm assuming Gunn has a pay or play contract, which would have made sense because you never know when this guy's going to go, ah, superheroes out, cancel it all. Time for a return of Honey Boo Boo. What? Well, and, Want and that the, much? Okay, Honey Boo Boo <laughs> Jr. The other thing to remember is if the first movie tanks, yeah. they're not going to do more. Remember, Universal was going to do their Dark Universe. And they had like seven or eight movies planned out of Frankenstein and Dracula and the mummy and the the Wolfman and everything. And the mummy came out with Tom Cruise and it tanked and they're like, yeah, the dark universe we're reevaluating and we haven't heard from it since. So I think with the DC universe, they're always going to be doing something. 
And if it does tank, you know what they'll do. They'll just go back and, all right, do another Batman. Now, the question, now, is that it for DC? Yes, that is because all that they have announced. As we transition over into Marvel, the question I have is one that my buddy uh, Jeff over at the Cinema Judge is always asking, because he's, he's not a superhero fan. And he doesn't really watch superhero movies because he's of the attitude, right, wrong. I That's a lot of movies to watch just for a payout. And I said, well, yeah, you don't have to watch them all, but especially if you know the characters. But he was also like, why doesn't Marvel, it's Marvel Studios. Why don't they branch off and do other things? And I talk and I tell him, yeah, and this goes same for DC. You've got romance stories in your comics. You've got Western characters. You certainly got horror, maybe Creature Commando or Swamp Thing might address that. Marvel did a horror story. But they didn't werewolf. market it that way. That was the problem. Everybody No, Werewolf it. by Night was marketed as pure horror. No, that but nobody watched it. What I'm talking about is Doctor Strange. Oh, Everybody bumbled. Wrong. Okay, wrong. laugh all you want. Let me finish the point. Doctor Strange was a horror movie. People bumbled into it thinking it was a superhero movie. It was marketed wrong. You and I know because we see Sam Raimi. We go... Oh, yeah. That said, not a lot of my comic pals watched Werewolf by Night. They all went to go see Ant-Man. So, again, maybe the numbers say they do, but did it make a difference? The, so, again, what, Disney, what Disney looked at was how many people watched it the first month. The question Werewolf was, by Night was a okay, hit. We sidestepped the question. Why not do romance? Why not do Western? Why not? Well, like you said, one of them is going to be kind of a, what did they call Paradise Lost is going to be kind of a political instinct thing. Yeah. I think Why not do things like that? Because you've already got the characters. You don't even have to reinvent them. You create them. Just do them. Here's the thing. I don't see it that way. I see each Marvel franchise as a different style of movie, and that's why it works. The Captain America movies, political intrigue spy films, especially Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, yes, it had the superhero trappings, but it was plotted like a spy movie. Civil War had the superhero trappings, but it was plotted like a spy movie. Thor, you, they, you're the kinda, first one was arguing epic parallel. fantasy. You're arguing parallel to me. I, I, I'm saying, yeah. You've got Two Gun Kid. You've got, uh, I, I forget the other. I had a picture of all the Marvel Westerns because I showed it to Jeff saying, look, they've got the characters. And they even could tie them slightly into other things. I mean, what if, was a Two Gun Kid came to the future, hung out with Hawkeye for a while? I, I have no idea how Jeremy Renner is about Hawkeye, but there's your thing. You've got these characters. Use them or are Westerns dead or do romance don't sell? Would a, would a Patsy Walker romance taking place during the fight of the Avengers Endgame make a difference? Or there you go. You got you got they were in love. They're ready to go. Boom. The snap happened five years later. Oh, he comes back. It's tied into the Marvel Universe, but it's a standalone romance. So and again, like you said, all these other movies, 
they have their own kind of niche, their genre, their their own franchise. These characters are there, but I never, I don't see them being used. Here's, if you want to be tricky, you could, you could uh, uh, have them appear somewhere else, and then bring them out. Amanda Waller is a great example. She's she's going to have her own series. Sounds like it's going to be a fun one. Here's the problem with doing a Western or, or something like that. Let's say you're Kevin Feige. Your job is to put out billion-dollar movies. Are you going to go full-on two-gun kid and risk, well, let's see, the last Western that made over $100 million was? Joe, do you know? You know your, well, first of all, give the answer. Okay. Back to the Future Part 3. But you know your answer because you know your history. You know how you make that first movie a million-dollar, billion-dollar movie? Who is time-traveling all over the Marvel Universe with these uh, Infinity Gems? What if he accidentally shows up in a Western time period? What if he accidentally brings Two-Gun Kid to the future and has to leave him there? You tell me Chris Evans coming back as Captain America for one last fling wouldn't get the fanboys driven into a million-dollar franchise with Westerns? Because all but, these... But yeah, would you but, risk Would you risk making a $200 million movie with Chris Evans on a genre that traditionally does considering not... Considering I watch Shang-Chi and Eternals, yes. So, yeah. I, I don't think he could get it through Disney. Maybe. I honestly don't think Maybe not, but I'm not as I, I think it would work because as I, I'm sitting here thinking like you did, yeah, you know, Western would be tough maybe as a T and then I remember the time traveling element, you know, the odds of getting, I, I don't know if you could get uh, Robert Downey Jr. back in an Iron Man outfit, but could you imagine a time lost Avengers showing up in the Westerns? with these guys and now, Oh, we got to get out of here. You guys got to help us get out of here. I have no tech, you know, Thor might be able to get out of here, but suddenly he realizes his hammer doesn't work. You know, I don't, again, I'm pipe dreaming. I have no idea if Robert Downey Jr. would ever come back to do Iron Man. Considering I have heard off. they have said that he is doing something for secret wars. Okay. So again, Again, I don't I'm not as down on the Western idea as you were, especially since I, I think the hook would be cool. But again, Chris Evans might not care. I think what they're doing is, OK, if we're going to do a genre that's way outside what we do, put it on Disney Plus. They did a horror show. They put it on Disney Plus. It did really well there. But I think if you would have put Werewolf by Night in a movie theater. They would have seen it as a disappointment. Same with WandaVision. WandaVision I, again, was have, very much a, a a romance. Yeah. Well, there you go. You got your romance. I did. I haven't seen either one, so I really can't comment on it. But it's just, you got all these characters marginally tied in. I don't, I don't think know. you want to experiment too much when your price tag is $200 million. You don't have to make it $200 the, million. Dollars. You could probably make a Western for less. 
but I even think if then, you don't tie in, then you put it on Disney Plus as a yeah. Series. Well, that, that's fine. You put it on there too. But maybe these concepts would work better on Disney Plus. But it's like Jeff said, you're Marvel Studios. Yeah, Kevin, you're doing great. And I like Eternals and I like Shang-Chi or Chai or whatever. But they just, everybody thinks phase four is a flop. I don't. And, you know, Ant-Man's kind of a hit or miss. Some people are like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Other people are like, yeah, this sets up stage five very well. I think we're at the point where a lot of people, well, first off, I think a lot of people don't understand the movie business at all. Because we're at the point where a mid-level movie is never going to make money. Steven Spielberg, greatest living director, puts out a prestige film, The Fablemans. All across the line, great reviews. Bombs. Why? Because it's very disjointed and it stops right when we want to see Steven making a fucking movie. No, Joe, that's that's you. So you you paid money and you went and saw it. Why didn't people pay money to go to see it? Because it doesn't have tons of special effects. It's not an event. So am I going to pay 20 bucks a ticket to go see it? No, it'll be on streaming in three months. It will be. And maybe theaters need to lower the price. Of course, their five dollar. Well, their five dollar movie nights are always sold out. Right. But what they they, need to do, they can't make a profit. They should they have make a profit. They on should that. have given out Steven Spielberg head popcorn containers. <laughs> Did but, you see the the the, the references? They I think was it America? No, one of the chains gave out Ant Man helmet popcorn things, and I looked at it and I was laughing. I looked on the eBay; they're going like sixty to hundred bucks. But Joe, your midline movie. Let's take Knives Out. Knives Out came out did okay they put it on netflix made it you know hugely successful what did they do with the second one they looked at it and they said you know what this movie is not going to do well in theaters because it's not a blockbuster it's not an event film put it on netflix movies now are pretty much going to be one of two things in theaters because of the price because we're used to staying home because for a lot of us, our our home theaters, other than the act of going to a movie, our home theater has the same level of quality. You know, if you've got a 4K TV, you're watching 8K in a movie theater, and your eye can't tell the difference. So I'm only going to go when it's going to be a big roller coaster ride. I'm not going to go for a prestige drama or a comedy or anything like that. So it's either going to be dirt cheap films that are aimed at teenagers or events. And we may lose those dirt cheap films aimed at teenagers. If ticket prices keep going up, I don't want to get deep into this, but theaters are in so much trouble like right now. And it's all their own. Well, no COVID help, but a lot of what you said is true. They just don't get it. That's why Steven Spielberg is on record as saying Tom Cruise probably saved the theaters as we know it. Yeah. Top Gun, that, that last Top Gun movie was amazing. 
If you had to see it, you have to see it in a theater. Uh-oh. But the other thing is, we talk about how, well, maybe they can bring the ticket prices down. They do it on a Friday, but you do it on a weekend, they're bankrupt because most movie theaters are multiplexes connected to malls. When I worked at the AMC at the Eden Prairie Mall, this was in 2010, their rent was a half million a month. Well, then it's time to shut down and go somewhere else. Maybe I go to... I don't know. I go to Marcus. They're a standalone theater, but they've also added a full bar and deli and restaurant to it. Right. I can I can even go there if I want and just order the food and watch football in the bar, which is a brilliant idea, especially if the kids are off seeing the latest uh, Power Spice movie or whatever. Yeah. The reason but- why I said, oh, oh, is just movie web reports. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom rumors claim test screenings have not been good. So, and that's not just fanboys crying, oh, Mimosa has a gold shirt on, he needs to show his chest. They're just saying, you know, half dozen test screenings, not looking good. Well, let's get into the movies that Marvel is coming out with. They're they're phase five. First is Ant-Man and Wasp, Quantumania, which I'm going to go to... Because this is another one where if you listen to the idiots on the internet, yeah. it's a huge, huge bomb, huge bomb, failure, major failure. Oh, my gosh. They will never recover. However, mm-hmm. we are five days and in. And that was before the movie came out. We are five days in, and it's made a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah. Quarter of a billion dollars, five days in. Uh, there are theaters who wish that they could have bombs like that but then again <laughs> before uh, before uh avatar way of the water came out oh huge bomb gonna be a failure oh, yeah. gonna be a failure oh nobody cares nobody remembers the characters it's now the number four grossing movie of all time well even the rescreening titanic is bringing in numbers there's a whole generation of people who hasn't even seen this on the big screen uh Sounds next like- is Next is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is kind of, in my mind, that's the last big sure thing Marvel's got. This is one where they, you know, they're doing marketing. They don't need to marketing. If their ad was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 coming out on uh, May 5th, and they just left that on your, they left that on your TV screen for 30 seconds. Did you catch the trailer? Yeah, I don't watch trailers because they spoil things. Eh, I don't know about that. I think they misdirect a lot, but the trailer looked good because they were on the, it was on the Super Bowl. So when you go to watch the Super Bowl, I think they had uh, Ant-Man, Indiana Jones, which I have not seen. And it was one other big trailer. I can't remember. Oh, well, doesn't matter. After that is the Marvels, which is Captain Marvel. Photon, Monica Rambo. That's the one that's got the 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 little minded people splitting their skull. Yeah, I don't pay attention to them. No, I, I and, don't tell that. And right? Ms. Marvel. That's one thing you got to say about Marvel. Ms. Marvel, very much a ground level, uh, in a lot of ways, almost a teen. Very much, if you a teen, almost a tween series. Yeah, that's I I honestly believe that one's going to be a lot of fun. 
Ms. Marvel is enough fun on her own. The actress they have, the stories they tell, Ms. Marvel is one of the breakout characters. That movie's going to be big. Then you've got Captain America New World Order, which is the Falcon becoming Captain America. After that is Thunderbolts, which if you ever would have told me back when Thunderbolts first came out that there was going to be a big budget movie of the Thunderbolts, I would have been shocked. Um, I I don't know how they're... What I would like is if they have a big twist in it like they had in the comics. And then the last one just went before cameras this week, and that is Blade. And there's your horror, Joe. There's your horror movie. Blade is uh, Blade versus on Vampires. How, how action-oriented they were. Well, if you go to the originals, they were action movies with horror elements. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, you're going to have action in all of these because that even in the 70s, remember Steve Gerber said, "Okay, this is an issue of Howard the Duck that's nothing but essays. But because it's a Marvel comic, we have to have a fight. So here's a showgirl and her pet ostrich versus a sentient lamp. They all have fight scenes because you got to have a fight scene. Now, TV series, they've got a lot here. They got what? They've got a lot of TV series. Uh, first off is Secret Invasion, which that one's going to be weird because the scrolls are not bad guys in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, we'll see how that goes. I know they keep saying we haven't seen uh, Nick Fury. He hasn't been around in a while. And of course, in She-Hulk, what's his name? Blast it off in outer space. Yeah. Banner Hulk. Loki is getting a second season. After that is the second season of What If. Which I, you know, What If is kind of its own thing, but I really enjoyed it. After that is Ironheart. Which, again, that really surprises me because it's such a new character. But what a cool idea to use that character, like especially said, with Tony Stark being gone. It's like you said, you know, Ms. Marvel try to get that teen genre going. She's almost perfect for that. And then as the actress gets older. Plus, the fun thing is, is when you have these characters here, they can branch off into the movies quick, just like with Scarlet Witch. I never watched Scarlet Witch, but it just took two seconds in Doctor Strange for me to know, oh, they said she is now the most powerful being in the multiverse. After that is Echo, which there's another character that surprised me, and they could do a lot of different genres with Echo being a almost a ground-level crime series. In a lot of ways, because that's how Bendis used the character until he put her in the Avengers. After that is Agatha, Coven of Chaos, which is going to be one of two things. It's either going to be a comedy or it's going to be horror. (laughs) Either way, I'm down for it. And then the last one is Daredevil Born Again. There's your noir crime. Because if you read Daredevil, and they're... From everything I've read, they are using the Daredevil Born Again comic as almost a storyboard. 
Matt Murdock is rarely dressed as Daredevil. It is not about superheroics. It is a it is a crime novel. So I think they get you could get more experimental with the TV stuff because you've got Disney Plus kind of behind it. You don't have to be in theaters and drive be the driving force for an entire season. What if was a fantastic, fantastic series. If they would have done that as a movie, I don't think it would have worked. No, no, that was too busy, too many concepts introduced. And the fun part about it was, is that they can take characters from the movies, put them in the what if. So you're pretty much, you're selling this to you and I via Disney plus because we're, yeah, we know who Dr. Strange is. You know, even my wife watched the one with, God, I'm terrible with names today. The, the, the actor who passed away, that was Black Panther, Chris. Uh, Christian Bozeman. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. Anyways, when what if he was, I'm having a problem with Peter Gunn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> James the, Gunn. James, no, no. Uh, Peter Quill. <laughs> but his, Peter his Gunn. Yeah, I love that show back yeah, in the well, Yeah, I'm telling you, Disney owns everything. It would just be a lot easier. But uh, yeah, she even enjoyed that one. Again, you're, there's a whole group of people like if they think it's animated, they oh, it's for kids. No, trust me, this stuff was not for kids. Well, I get the why doesn't Marvel try new genres? They're doing it on Disney Plus where they don't have to worry about, oh, my gosh, it had a bad opening weekend. Oh, there. They got these characters, put them in Disney Plus. Yeah. And if they're hot, I still think the, the Western one where you bring back the Avengers would be pretty cool, but... Again, if they got they got these guys going, I think Chris Helmsworth is. Oh, you know, he'll be Thor as long as they let him be Thor. I think he said he's got one more movie in him. Ah, if if that's all you got, go for it. And the other thing that we have to remember, the Marvel Universe has now been around for twenty three years. Actors are going to age out. Yeah. Oh, we've talked about this before. You know, they get tired. They don't want to do it. Some guys go crazy, Ed Norton, and aren't invited back. Some pass away. Robert Downey Jr., he said, I'm going to be 60. I 60-year-olds should not be action heroes. And let's say they don't get another Avengers movie until 2027. He is at the age where he would start collecting Social Security. Well... You, you say that, and yeah, they keep the they want these guys in good shape. But how often did we see Robert Downey Jr. walking around without a shirt on? Right. Most of the time, he's in the Iron Man armor. And again, that's a lot of green screen and maybe a lot of plotting. But and you just also, listening to some of the other guys who put on costumes, they're like, these things are heavy. They're hard to go to the bathroom in. Yeah. They make you sweat to the point where you. The, who was I talking with? I think it was one of the uh, played Darth Vader. He said, yeah, they had to have a little hole in the bottom of my uniform because the sweat would fill up and they didn't want to take the entire Darth Vader piece off. But it'd be like, yeah, okay, get the sweat out and feed me more water. And then they'd rush water through them to cool them off. So yeah, they look cool, but they're not cool. <laughs> and and I bet they don't smell good. Well, you know, Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. doesn't like the way his helmet smells. <laughs> talk to the guys on Big Bang Theory. 
you know, there is that element of how long do I want to play a guy in his 30s? And Marvel, you know, how long until, really... and, and again, how long does the hair dye not cover up the fact that your face has aged? And it's also, they don't, uh, they don't have legacy characters. You know, DC, if they play it right, could have legacy characters. You know, when that guy who's currently playing Batman decides he doesn't want to play Batman, have the guy who's going to play Damien be Batman. I, there is a part of me that thinks that they should, we as an audience should kind of accept that if this goes on, eventually someone younger is going to take over the role. Because with Spider-Man, yes, we've got Miles Morales, but you saw Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man, Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, he looked good, but he looked older. Yeah. (laughs) He looked like a guy in his 40s. And Andrew Garfield looked like a guy in his 30s. And you, there is... Go, I always tell people, go back and watch Grease now that you're older. And you don't have 30, to. These 30 and 40-year-olds playing teenagers. Go to the Super Bowl ridiculous. commercial. John Travolta danced and sang the, the song from Grease. You can see what he looks like now. Right. But even back then, the, the idea of having 30-year-olds playing teenagers, now that we see actual teenagers doing that, you just look at it and you're like, oh, my God, that's so cringy. Nah, I don't. I love Grease. I I could not get past the fact that Stockard Channing was supposed to be 16 and she she looked like uh, she looked 40 nope. because she nope. was 40. Doesn't bother me. That was Same one of the doesn't... things that was one of the things I liked about that 70s show. The teenagers were played by teenagers. And again, in that 90s show, the teenagers are played by teenagers. It. I. And when it comes to. Do I want a 60 year old Captain America? No. Do I think that Chris Evans is amazing? Yeah. Do I think someone else should be given the shield? Yeah, eventually someone else should play Steve Rogers rather than, okay, we can't have Steve Rogers ever in a movie again, ever. I don't say no to Chris Evans because I listen, you know, now you, you, you sound more, you got good reasoning, but you start to sound like the fanboys. Oh my God, we're getting all the female characters in Marvel together. Forget it. Hey, you got a decent old man Rogers movie. You know, it worked for Hugh Jackman being Logan. That was a killer movie. Right. The first time we let Wolverine be Wolverine. So but again, let's say they're going to do a new X-Men movie. Do I want 64-year-old Wolverine, 64-year-old Hugh Jackman paid 25-year-old Wolverine? I'd have to see it before it happened. Him, him, I, him I, I would probably like, because I also recall the whole thing. Oh, he's too tall. He can't be Wolverine. He's not stocky enough. Now it's like, it's just like, well, we'll bring him back as Wolverine. Yeah, but he's 60 years old. He may not want to run through the wolf, the forest with claws taped to his arms and go, yeah. And also, you know, they, they're, 
he's going to be in the Deadpool movie. And one of the things they said is, we're going to be making fun of the fact that he's far older than he should be. If he doesn't show up, you know, Deadpool walks into the bar that him and his buddy are in and he's sitting at the bar. Hey, aren't you? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I just gave it to you guys. <laughs> but the same thing with um, Professor Xavier being played by John McAvoy. I had no problem with that because it was set when Xavier was in his 20s and 30s. I love Patrick Stewart. Absolutely love Patrick Stewart. He's 82. He's 82. He should not play a guy in his 30s. Nothing against him. But de-aging looks terrible. No matter how they do it, no matter how much money they spend on it, it looks terrible. Yeah. Everybody looks like they're glowing. And it should be used sparingly. Right. I'm, and you and I, we don't. We're more forgiving of recasting. Darren from Bewitched, I'm looking at you. So if uh, I, I guess I, I, much as I'd like to see another Wolverine, yeah, keep him in Deadpool. That's fine. Which I do find telling in Marvel. No X-Men, no Fantastic Four yet. I really would have thought they'd have pushed those a little faster, considering they're probably the last A-listers they have. And once you introduce mutants into the marvel universe how many, how many mutants did we figure there was what about three four thousand characters yeah. everybody's a, everybody's a mutant you're a mutant you're a mutant you're a mutant wouldn't you like to be a mutant, a mutant too? too so of all both universes which ones are you personally more excited about i'm more excited about marvel because they have a proven track record and i I am holding I, out hope both. for DC. Yeah, I, I think that's the same thing. I mean, I, I, I'm ashamed to say I am really far behind on a lot of the Marvel movies. I didn't see Wanda Forever, Wakanda Forever. I didn't see Thor. I didn't see the first Spider-Man. There's another movie. I did, you know, I, I catch them on the screen. I did watch Black Widow, which would have been more fun had it actually come out in between Civil War and Avengers. And there's, well, like I said, I'm starting, I'm trying to go through and just rewatch all the Marvel movies. I got up to Hulk and I was surprised to see, I never did see Iron Man two or three in the theater, which is really amazing. Cause I, I, I know I didn't see three, but I would have sworn I saw two. I saw Thor two. I'm behind on everything. Which yeah, we will right. talk about later in the show. Yeah. If you'd maybe drop one of the 15,000 podcasts you do. You'd have to the, squeeze in a two-hour movie. You mean all these podcasts? The Solitaire Rose Radio Network is currently on a pause, basically because COVID-19 has made it so that uh, I have to work a lot of extra hours at both jobs. But you can still go and listen to my other podcasts. Now, you're probably listening to Crazy Comics and Stories, which is the main podcast. But on this same feed, K-R-A-Y-Z-C-O-M-I-X, is Solitaire Rose Radio, the East solo radio podcasts that I do. Um, I've done interviews, I've done short stories, I've done all sorts of things, and you can get to it right here on this same feed. I also do a podcast called Novelcast, where I take the novels I've written and turn them into free audiobooks. That's over at novels.solitairerose.com. Dangerous Dan Moore and I 
and of course Wolfie B. Bad, give you bad advice over at badadvice.solitairerose.com. You send in your questions, and we give you the aforementioned bad advice. And then myself and Adam Vermillion from For the Love of Comics do the Fantastic Forecast at fantasticforecast.solitairerose.com where we go through the issues of the Fantastic Four, four issues at a time, to give the plot and commentary on each issue. That's not all. Yes, I'm crazy. I still, over at pwinsiderelite.com, every week on Wednesday do a recap of the latest episode of AEW Dynamite. I write up what happened, and then myself and Anthony Pyrus will do an audio. Now, you can only listen to the audio if you're a member at PWInsiderElite.com, and if you're a wrestling fan, you should be, where we then break down the episode, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, give it a grade, and let you know if you should have watched that episode. Those are the other podcasts here at the Solitaire Rose Radio Network. Thanks. Sneaky. Very good. I like that. Mixing it up. But, yeah, we do always have to have our ads. Our newest sponsor is NordVPN. Let's be honest. If you're out on the Internet, you need a VPN to protect you. There's all sorts of things going on on the Internet where people can track you. You could accidentally download a keylogger. All sorts of things. NordVPN gives the best security possible. It has a password manager which generates complex passwords, syncs across all your devices, stores your notes and credit card information. It also gives you 10 gigabytes of private cloud storage, um, secure files that backs up your data automatically. But the main thing it gives you is peace of mind. It gives you peace of mind when you're um, out on the internet, when you're streaming, when you're playing games, when you're listening to podcasts like this one. It gives you safety anywhere at any time. It protects your online activity. You get full access to all content. And if you use the link, go.nordvpn.net sh3ku, it'll take you to where you can get a great deal for a one-month plan, a two-year plan, a one-year plan. They are our newest sponsor. We're happy to have them. And if you would like to sponsor something here at any of the podcasts on the Solitaire Rose Network, you can. Just email me, network at gmail.com. Thanks. But no, since, since we're already moving into the other stuff we were talking about, Joe, you have a retro review? I don't. I do. Okay, I'll sit back and listen. So, I recently read Iron Man number 50. And you're thinking, well, which Iron Man number 50? Uh, this is the first Iron Man story by Mike Grell, which I found out later. You know why Mike Grell leaves in the middle of a story in his Iron Man run? Why is that? Because the head of Marvel at the time, not Joe Casada, but the other guy. Who did the crossing? No, no, no. No, no, no. no. Bill Jemis. Mm. Okay, so I will. So what happened was Bill Jemis did not like the stories that Mike Grell was telling. So he called up editor Tom Brevoort and said, fire him. 
and Brevoort did everything he could not to have to do it, but Bill Jemis was not giving up on it, so he had to let Mike Grell know. And the cool thing was, uh, Tom Brevoort wrote about this recently. He called Grell and said, hey, I've got from on high that I need to let you go. And Grell said, yeah, I understand. Stuff like that happens. No big deal. Not holding it against you because Grell's a professional and he knows how things work. But it's still a shame that Mike Grell was let go. But he started with Iron Man 50. It's an issue called Tin Man. And the story is a one shot, which I really appreciate the fact that they did a one shot. And Brevoort has talked about this when he kind of does a reboot on a book. He wants the first few issues to be done in one stories. And if you're reading the Fantastic Four, he's using that formula there. Every issue has been a separate story. And then after he's got separate stories to kind of bring the reader in, then he starts the longer story arcs. So this was a one-shot story. It was a double-sized. Mike Grell, Michael Ryan was the artist with Sean Parson as the inker. And it was almost in a way, a little bit of an Iron Man reboot in that Tony Stark goes to a war zone. His plane is shot down and he has to hide with refugees and sort of rebuild his armor when he finds out that the people attacking these refugees have been using a a prototype that he created for the military. But then after he had tested the prototype, he decided that they could not use it. And the military was upset, so they kind of went around Tony Stark's back to build the prototype. And the problem with the prototype was, and the the crux of the story is, Tony just thought of the technology, not the person in it. So he built this armor that would do everything it could to make sure that the soldier continued to fight. Pumping him full of painkillers, um, doing stuff to make sure that the person inside didn't die. And now he has to face w- these things without his armor. So he kind of has to rebuild his armor to protect these refugees from technology that he created. And while it's a done in one story, the good thing is they sprinkle a lot of stuff through that goes through the rest of Grell's run. That pays off later. Uh, Mike Grell is a fantastic writer, and he writes stories for adults. If you go and you read his uh, John Sable Freelance, they're written like adventure stories, those men's adventure novels. If you read his Green Arrow run, that is especially, it's a man who's reaching middle age, questioning the choices in his life and the fact that he's made so many poor choices in his life and they are coming back to haunt him in kind of this superhero world and his iron man story sets up the kind of story he wants to tell which is tony stark has to pay for the sins of his past when he was an arms supplier, when he did treat people poorly, when he was thinking of the technology and not how the technology affects people. So you've got the entire run of what Mike Grell wanted to do 
all sort of encapsulated in this one story. The only problem I have is that when we are in the war zone, Michael Ryan's art doesn't fit the story. At the time, Marvel was kind of pushing a more anime style. And when you go back and you look at it, you can see that the storytelling itself is well put together. You know, the way the pages flow, the way it pulls you panel to panel. But the anime style doesn't fit Grell's sort of gritty take on the world that Tony Stark is in. And it contrasts it in a way that doesn't work for me. A lot of the poses are more action-oriented than they should be in the character-based moments. The the coloring is very garish and in some ways almost obscures the art so that while the storytelling is good, you're looking at it, it's like, well, what's happening here? Yes, this is pulling me panel to panel to panel, but inside the panel... I'm ha- it takes me a little extra time to figure out, oh, this is a plane crashing through ice into water when it looks like, well, the plane is colored the same as the water, which is colored the same as the ice. So I can't figure out what's happening. And I almost wish, and I know that this was not the way Marvel thought at the time, they would have got a very clean artist like a Bob Layton or even Grell himself to draw this, to sort of have that technology sheen, but have the story, have the art a little more simplified, a little less stylized, so that it's easier to tell what's going on. All in all, however, I really enjoyed this, and I am reading the Iron Man by Mike Grell Complete Collection, came out about a year ago. I'm really enjoying the book. I wish Grell not only would have been able to finish this, but why aren't people hiring Mike Grell to write comics? This is such a good story and such a way of sort of taking the character and doing stuff that's been done before, but doing it in a new way. So that feels fresh and it feels interesting and it feels more like a comic made for somebody over the age of 30 than a comic made for a kid. All right. I think that's my review. During your review, I quickly read through one. I think I can do it. I'm going to review death mate black. It's the first (laughs) gen third. No, I can do it. I'm pretty sure I can do it. Okay. And the reason why it's notable is because it is the first appearance of gen 13. The weird thing about it and why it doesn't work is because we didn't know who Gen 13 were, so why did we care? All right, I'm going to open up the first page, and I think that I, I got... I got. He's oh. going to puke! He's going to puke! I, I thought I could do it there, but then I saw that cross-hatching, and I just... oh. All right, maybe next week I'll have one ready for you. I'm sorry. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show. No, 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 not where I put on videos of, of of giraffes fighting each other. No, it's freaking and geeking. Joe, what are you freaking on? Stuck your neck out on that one, didn't you? <laughs> We've become 
a nation of snitches. Why do you say that? Well, you guys already know about me getting Pearl Harbor on eBay. Somebody didn't like Belladonna. <gasps> She's got boobs. Not naked boobs, which are forbidden. Boobs nonetheless. Never mind Lady Death Runs. But I'm currently on a brief suspension because I put a comment on, I think it was Mike Johnson's post. He was talking about yep. some idiot who ran out and shot somebody. And the comment was, hey, my, my solution is just cut off their thumbs. Use a gun over and over for a crime. You don't need thumbs. Well, apparently a snowflake decided that was too much and reported me to Facebook. Now, Facebook was already mad at me because apparently somewhere in a post in the past, there I, I made a crack, literally, with a picture of a bare butt on it. Although, if you look closer, it wasn't a bare butt. It was actually like a guy's elbow. It's like, doesn't this look hot? And then when you zoom out, well, it shouldn't be. It's his elbow crack. But Facebook's algorithm got it mad. So I went on like a 24-hour suspension which means the next time it happens it's seven days or 30 days or permanent i don't know my poor uncle's been going through this shit but folks why we're doing their dirty work for them every time somebody sees something they don't like or they get offended or they get offended by for somebody else just and I, I didn't even remember who sings the song. Just walk on by. Ignore it. Corey and I had a interesting Facebook discussion with a friend, supposedly. But she was right wing. And, you know, the comment she made was basically a deflection distraction, a, an attempt to just change the nature of the conversation. I pointed that out. Well, you shouldn't attack me for my views. And Corey actually wrote a really interesting summary. Her response, block me. <laughs> and this person went out of their way to say, I don't want to engage you on political posts. Then don't post on my political posts. I commented to somebody else who gets annoyed at my political posts and said, you screwed up. As soon as you comment on my or like or dislike my Facebook page political posts, Facebook says, oh, look, you reacted to it. Here's more of Joe's political posts. And yes, I was. It's not a big secret. I lean left, except when I want criminals to have their thumbs cut off. Apparently that was too far right. I study political science. I find this interesting. One of the craziest things I ever posted was a political analysis of how Donald Trump won and why it was never ever repeatable for anybody else left or right and oh my gosh the people came out to attack and it's like you didn't read the article did you because it's actually quite favorable for trump and it tells you why he's the only one that could have got away with that no one else can go yeah i'm gonna beat trump at his own game desantis i'm looking at you because it just isn't going to happen it was i for lack of a better word fluke it just happened at a perfect time. And it was utterly fascinating to me because I study political science. I don't like Trump. I don't think that should be a surprise. I mean, yeah, he took a stone cold stunner well. But no, he didn't. 
I'm trying to be charitable. Give, give me this one. He was the worst person to take a stunner. Go back I, and watch it. I uh, I can point out how I saw, everything he did no, no, was no, no, wrong. Save it, save it. I'm I'm not going to. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to defend you and block you. Anyways, whatever. We're just I, a nation. I, I, I study wrestling. Dude. We're a nation of snitches, and it's just it's tiring. Just don't do it. More importantly, if you don't like anything Corey and I say in this podcast, you know what to do. Send us Listen your, to all of them. Send because, a letter. <laughs> <sighs> Got news. Uh, one of my favorite comic shops in town is closing. It's down in Hastings called Gamer Island. I don't know if I ever got you there, Corey. He's the guy. So. Yeah, well, he's lost his lease or it's just not working for him. He sells DVDs, games, magic, and comics for a buck a piece he what he does is he gets these collections in he weeds out the key books sells them at key prices and then everything else is a book i have found so much fun stuff he was just on minnesota comic exchange saying okay i figure we have about 1600 dollars worth of stuff i want 600 dollars for it and then you take away the bulk and i am like 600 bucks 600 bucks but a couple of good guys have already said hey if you're interested in and these are guys who you know, have the time to wade through this type of stuff and do it. I don't. And we'll get to that a little bit in the geeking. And well, actually I'll I'll mention it now because over the weekend, Corey and I went to a friend's house to help deal with a friend's spouse's stuff. He passed away. The remaining spouse didn't know what to do with it. I'm deliberately being pronoun vague because I'm not sure we got permission to really talk about it. And it was fun. It was emotional going through the stuff. Some of it I, I'm going to be putting on the eBay. So if you're, if you're real curious as to what it is, when you go to my eBay site, crazy, K-R-A-Y-Z, go to however you go to the store, you go to like, you go to my feedback, you can link to items that he's selling and do the search newest listed because I'm actually working on getting this stuff listed. And there's some pretty nice stuff and I've already sold a few of them, but Gruber and I realize, and I think Corey, you already have a plan for your stuff, Yep. but I realize other than having you and Gruber come to my house and do for me, what we're doing for our friend, I've got to really figure my stuff out a little bit better. And the problem is, is like, well, I'm putting stuff on eBay all the time, but the stuff on eBay is this, let's see, one, two, three, four short boxes and one bookshelf. The rest of my 900 square foot basement is stuff I'm waiting to get to, not counting the storage space I rent monthly that has everything else in there that I haven't gotten to yet. So I always bemoan the fact that I probably will never do another store again. Cause just a lot of freaking work. I may do shows, even though they're a lot of freaking work, especially if I do end up getting weekends off cause I got a bid coming up for my work. So that'll happen in first week in April. So I imagine I'll have a few freaking and geekings as we come up. I mean, if I'm number one in my group of guys who got hired, oh, it'll be a geeking. If not, it'll be a freaking. So anyways, 
yeah, it was it was kind of sobering. The fact even well, even when our good buddy Nick Post passed away, you know, apparently people rifled through their his stuff, and I don't nobody really knows what happened to it. Bits and pieces surfaced here and there. So even going through the our friend stuff, you know, we're like, well, we I know I sold him this, but I don't see it. So, so just have a plan to to do something with your stuff, be it sell it, or in the case of Corey, he's got plans for everything to be. I think the boy is going to what donate it or no, burn it. Um, no, <laughs> nope, there are instructions in the will for how he can sell it. But the big thing that I put when I sat down with both him and Evelyn was there is this much life insurance. Here is what you do when I pass away, when you talk to the funeral home. And I want to, I really want to let everybody know this. If someone you care for passes away and you are in charge of the disposal of the body, the funeral, all of that, never, ever, 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 ever tell the funeral home how much life insurance there is, how much money is around, etc. First off, go on the internet, get prices. Get prices for how much coffins are. You can rent a coffin, by the way. You don't need to buy a coffin. You can rent a coffin for the visitation, which in my mind is a creepy, weird thing, and then just get a cheap pine box to be put in the ground. They're, they're going to push that, oh, you must have this and you need that. Um, if the funeral home knows how much life insurance you have, the cost will be that amount minus maybe 10%. Are you planning to come back as a zombie? I thought you'd just get cremated and they could like dump your stuff on a light rail. Actually, what I told them to do was to wrap me in plastic and throw me beside a lake, just like uh, Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks. And I'll carry a log to your, to your uh, funeral. Then. But the reason I know this is I work in benefits. I can't tell you how many phone calls I've got from funeral homes who desperately want to know how much the life insurance is for. And when you tell them that we legally can't tell them, they try to bulldoze you and they threaten and they, they, they you know, we'll tell lawyers and on and on and on. Nope. We cannot tell you. We legally are not allowed to tell you. And they know that you can't tell them. But they also know that if they are loud and pushy enough, they'll get that information. And if they don't get it from you, they'll get it from somebody. And then they have a dollar amount that they could go, well, you know, for us to do all of these things, life insurance was $50,000. It's going to be $48,000. Never let the funeral know, home know how much you have. Read up on the internet as to what is legal. You know, basically what you have to do, because a lot of the stuff they say you have to do, you don't have to do. Thus endeth the soapbox. As long as you got everybody freaked out now. Corey, what are you freaking on? Um, it looks like we have a writer strike. I'm for not a, a TV writers and movies. Very amicable people. Oh, right. Her strike with a T. Yes. So that is why you're seeing that pretty much every show that's in production on the networks is being renewed. Because 
they've already got the team in place. They could start writing scripts now. And many of them are telling the writers, you're going to be writing next season and you're going to be delivering it to us by the end of June, because I think the strike is for late summer. But that's why you're seeing all these shows getting renewed if they're in production. Even shows that aren't doing well are getting renewed, even if it's for shortened seasons, because it's okay. We can be in production on this stuff and we can have new things. But this means we're going to get fewer pilots for new TV shows. More shows getting early renewals so they can stockpile scripts. This also means that the writers aren't going to be able to go through and make the scripts better. They're not going to have time. So a lot of your shows aren't going to be as good next season as they were this season. Because a lot of what they do is this person will write it and then the showrunner will go through it and he'll get some rewrites done. And then, you know, people on the writing team will go through. Nope, none of that's going to happen. You're going to get more reality competition and game shows on your network. Um, if you remember back in 2009, 2010, when we had the last big writer's strike, that's when, oh, we're moving uh, Jay Leno to every night at nine o'clock on NBC. Why? Because his writers aren't part of this. We don't, he, we can have fresh programming. Movie scripts are going to get rushed. Things that have been stuck in development are going to go live, which means that we're going to get a lot of mediocre movies, just like we had in 2010 and 11. Where That's it's, it explain too why Jessica Jones and Luke Cage stars are again teasing an MCU return. Yeah. It also means... Lots and lots and lots of sports. If you've noticed, Fox has given over their Saturday night to whatever sport they can get. Same for ABC. You're seeing more and more basketball games in prime time. You're seeing more and more sports in prime time because while they 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 only get an audience of about three million, they're cheaper than a filmed scripted entertainment that's going to get two million so i'm kind of freaking about that because it means that just like in 2010 and 2011 whatever quality tv shows and movies we have we're going to go through a lull of crap uh the other thing that i am freaking on we are about to be hit by a blizzard oh and we're not talking, what, what did I say before? 22 inches of snow over a three-day period? They're saying that this could this could end up being our second biggest blizzard with the biggest blizzard we've ever had being the infamous 1991 Halloween blizzard. 28 two, inches. Two to two and a half feet of snow. Mm. Um, 50 mile an hour winds. It's not going to get as cold, but it will get below zero at night. And after the snow leaves and we're digging out, we'll have one day where that low flips all that cold air from Canada, Joe Meteorologist, and we're going to go like sub-zero. But the other thing is that we've kind of been, we had a lot of snow earlier in the year and it was just starting to melt. So now as it freezes, it's going to block up a lot of the street drainage, which means that even as the, the top of the snow that we get starts to melt, it's not going to have anywhere to go. 
So we're going to get where, okay, uh, there's big puddles in the road, and then they freeze overnight. So, oh boy, lots of black ice. What they have said here in Chaska is they are going to do everything they can to keep the roads clear. But if it if we get two and a half feet of snow and the winds are 50 miles an hour, as projected, they cannot promise that they will have roads cleared on Thursday and Friday. The other weird thing about all this, they're opening up public parking ramps for people to park their cars in the ramps rather than leave them on the street where they're going to block snow plows. They haven't said anything about towing, but you know, those towing companies are licking their chops, getting ready to hit them neighborhoods. Now, the thing that I was alluding to earlier, I'm not at the group home until for this weekend. I'm not at the group home this weekend. So when I told the guys at PW Insider, hey, you know, if you've got any extra shows you need covered over the weekend, I'm going to have some extra time. And I told him about being snowed in because I also wanted to say, and I'll be honest, if power goes out, I'm decamping to a hotel. Because if I always, power goes out, I yeah. got no place to go. Yeah, that's the one thing I've mentally prepared for. If the power goes out, the hosts of the show I like at, at Fox, the Jason show, they've said, yeah, we're just going to go to the hotel nearby the station. They're down in Eden Prairie. So that way they're here for the following day. My worry, I'm scheduled to work Thursday. And I have no idea if I'll, I don't have to get there. See, the I got to get there by like 1030. I'm sorry, 1130. The snow is scheduled to, at the moment to be gone between noon and two. So it'll be the tail end of the snow, still high warning, probably busy. Probably late because all the flights that haven't been canceled or has been sitting around all morning are going to be pushing out. Minnesota airports are very, very good at clearing snow. Number one in the nation, so much so that other airports come to study how these guys do it. Sometimes when I'm in the elevator looking out at the, you know, it's a glass elevator looking out at the runway. It's like a ballet with four-ton machines just going through the runway. It's amazing to see. But it's it all depends if I can get my car out of my driveway. <laughs> I, I don't know if you heard uh, my wife returned home because she had to work late. Why work late in the beginning of our snowstorm? Who the hell knows? But she is moving my daughter's car around back. As soon as I'm done, I got to move my car around back. Yep. So next week, I'll let you know how I found, if if that'll be the freaking, I got, well, not really. If I get freaked stuck at home, I may call you, Corey, and say, hey, should we do another fill-in podcast? Or, well, that'll be my geeking side of things. But the other thing about it is, I let the guys at PW Insider know, and they were both, you know, they. let's see, Mike lives in New York. Dave lives in uh, New Jersey and Vegas, and they both, you know, I said, Dad, we're going to get about 24 to 28 inches of snow, uh, 50 mile an hour winds, wind chill, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they were both, oh, my God, how do you live <laughs> like that? But, like, Mike, eh, but Mike said, you know, if you're if you're at home, Eddie, um, let me know. I can contact these people and they can get you any wrestling event on their channel 
And, you know, Dave was like, you know, here's all this stuff. And, it, and I almost felt like, dude, I, if I'm stuck at home for a year, I still have stuff I haven't watched. And read. <laughs> but I thought it was really nice that they did that. Joe, what are you geeking on? Well, put a capper on the, on the snowstorm. I was all ready to, to say, hey, I'm going to start watching wrestling. But my wife and I decided to pull the plug on direct TV. We have had cable since it first became available in our area. And eventually the cable channel, you know, we were like, they, they just didn't care. You know, they do now. But at the time it was Comcast and they just got to the point where like, yeah, we're canceling. Yeah, whatever. They didn't care. So we went with DirecTV and we've had it bundled with everything. And then when CenturyLink decided to upgrade to fiber optic we had well first our we we still are going to have a landline phone but we have to contact them to get it set up through it's it's there it's just not the phone's not connecting to the interweb somehow and for direct tv i've got the satellite dish which will still run through uh, at least another week and then it has a, a cold cutoff date the date they actually cut the cable signal or the cable through the copper wire. So I went for direct streaming. Now I want to tell you the person who, once I finally got to the person who could set up direct streaming was fantastic. She talked me through it. It was a long, tough process, mostly done over the phone. And I had my computer with me. Some of it was kind of interesting. Like when I went to go put in my credit card, they don't even take it over the phone. They have uh, something went went through my email, confirmed it was me, and then I put it in, and then she got notice saying, yep, it it went through. It was just amazing. So, And I wish, I wish, I wish I had that person's name. Hang on, I'm just going to – I never throw nothing away. Let's see if I – Danielle at Dish. No last name, but you were fantastic. Thank you, Danielle. Fortunately, despite her effort, my wife and I decided to can it. A couple reasons. Number one, Dish does not work with direct sound. It doesn't work with, sorry, I always say Dish because it's Dish, but it's DirecTV and Dish are two separate entities. DirecTV does not work with Samsung televisions. What it's supposed to do is you, you get on the app, you hit the down arrow and then everything comes up the guide what's coming i paid an extra 10 bucks to get uh 10 hours of re- or 20 hours of recording and all my recording ready to go but what it did on samsung is it okay hit guide okay i got channels 1000 through 1600 which are very esoteric channels the coolest one i saw was classic doctor who i watched about 2 hours of patrick trogan the second doctor's episodes which was really fun to watch but i couldn't get anything above or below that i couldn't get anything to record because i want to i want to record classic who you know because it was back then they were half hour episodes turn it off turn it on i got the channel 265 a hit direct hit the guide boom i'm back in the thousand channels again turn it off turn it on okay i can from channel 265, I can go up or down, but I'm shooting blind because I have no idea what they are. To be honest, 
I don't watch a lot of regular cable. I barely watch the streaming I have. Not to mention, I've sitting behind me, I've got about three, four hundred DVDs. Not to mention the other three hundred that are in my storage locker. You know, Corey and I—it's it's almost a running gag. What are you behind on? It's more interesting when we watch something. Than... I just need it for local channels, especially like now when I want to watch—you know—what's going on with the weather. So, I called it up. And through a lot of digging, I found out I didn't have to call and listen to the concept. Well, we want to keep you around, sales. I just canceled online. I had a 14-day grace period to do it. The second reason why is because, okay, we, we were paying $120 a month for the, the three packages, internet, phone, DirecTV. To get DirecTV now, I would have had to pay 75 bucks. Not to mention the $10 for the ability to store it. And I couldn't use it because of the television set. What are the uh, what are the options? Well, for $10 a month, I can get a receiver or a stick or buy a Roku and run it through that. Or I could just forget it. Because why am I paying triple what I had paid for something I'm not even going to use and... You know, it, it's like you said, it's a convenience thing. I've got all this streaming. I may do Peacock. I may do YouTube. I don't know. So I'm, I'm disconnected from the dish finally. So let's see what other fun things. Okay, quickly off of the eBay, I talked about Henry Cavill. I bought a Superman number 22 that he autographed. And what's interesting, it comes with a little tiny hologram in the bottom, elite authentication gives me a number and then on the back side is the website i can go to double check the authentication this is very common in sports memorabilia because you don't get a certificate that says this has been signed by whomever you just get out well go online this guarantees who it's signed by so that was cool another thing that tripped my memory Corey, do you remember valiant validated signature series yes i do yep i saw one that was autographed by i believe Bart Sears and Ramsey Elliott. It's Turok number one. And it wasn't terribly expensive, but they, they had this. It was specially done through Valiant. And then they have a little certificate of authenticity that says this is signatures on record on Turok Dinosaur Hunter 1 are authentic and official. This is a limited edition of only 5,500 5, that were so signed this way. What does that mean? Well, nothing, because that Valiant doesn't exist anymore. Whatever, I just thought it was neat. Let's see. Oh, our good buddy Jeff, speaking of which, is on Cinema Judge, and he just posted a review on Ant-Man and the Wasp. Well, he didn't, he didn't repost post a review. What he does, he has interviews with uh, uh, Paul Rudd, and let's see who else we got. Director Peyton Reed, interviews with the cast, clips from the movie. It's all free. Just type, just like our podcast, just type in Cinema Judge and you'll look on top. He's on all the different streaming services. I've, I've got him pulled up on the Apple podcast. And you can also check some of the other movies he did, like the last three, The Menu, Knock at the Cabin, 80 for Brady, Plane. So he does a lot. He posts every week and uh, I always give a quick shout out. I did watch the first episode of Picard. Oh, look at me, I'm drooling already. 
Oh, absolutely fun. I swear my jaws swollen just from grinning ear to ear watching it go. And of course, after I watch it, I go right away to Trek culture because Sean Fedek, I think his name has the ups and downs and where he talks about the episode with major spoilers. So what go afterwards. And then of course, Cretaceous observation where he talks about all the Easter eggs he, he saw. And let's see what other goodies. Oh, I read an omnibus. Ooh, I read planet Hulk omnibus first time ever reading it. Oh, really? I, when I was reading it, I, when I saw what they did with him, I kind of tapped out. Part of the reason was, is because everything in Hulk seemed like Hulk quiet fight, win. Hulk quiet fight, win. Yeah. He got his butt kicked a few times, but reading it as a whole was in a, you know, it was only 14 issues. So it's a smaller omnibus, but it was so much fun just reading it quick. And again, I, it gives a, there's a certain time element you miss when you're waiting month to month to read it. Cause then it's just like, Oh, he's been on that planet forever. Uh, and of course he was there quite some time in me. It wasn't cause I read this thing. I blew through it like in a day. And then of course I reread world war Hulk, which makes much, much better sense because now I understand who these secondary characters are running around and why, why when the bug was found to have betrayed the Hulk, it was such a big deal. I loved the World War Hulk series itself because it tied in so much with the Illuminati and that fight between him and uh, Century. That's what I want to see. Let's get a Century movie. That would be a killer fight. Anyways, so that was a lot of fun. As far as tomorrow with the snowstorm, I've got all this fun stuff from my friend I'm going to be putting up. Again, if you see something you're really, really interested in, let me know. Probably cut your break. And I also got my box day because it got sent to Gruber. I picked it up when we went over and I haven't read any of it. I took it with me. I read a couple issues of stuff, but it was actually like I got busy at work. And then I ran into some people who came over to help that I hadn't seen in a year. So you just stop and we talked for a while. So I'm all set. We got everything here ready to rock. Chris is working from home. Like I said, Thursday, I got to attempt to try to get to work, and my car is pretty damn good. I think I'm going to make it. So that's what I'm geeking on. Corey, what you geeking on? Um, Joe, remember that Ant-Man popcorn holder you talked about? Oh, yeah. I did not believe it was real. <laughs> I went to the AMC site. Yeah. Not only is it real, I ordered one. Oh, really? How much do so, they want for them? $29.95. That's what I thought, because I thought I will, that's what they were will be here by Saturday. <laughs> I don't know if I want one. It's cool. Oh, and I found out AMC has done a ton of these that I didn't know about. Oh, well, that's they good. I'm one with the, they did one with Thor. They did mm -hmm. one with, um, let's see, I'm trying to pull it up here. They had them. I looked it up on eBay and there was all sorts of stuff. But it's, you know, they did one for Thor. They've done one for Top Gun. They did one for all these different movies. And the Ant-Man one, you know, it's, it lights up and it holds a large popcorn. So I've got a popcorn holder coming to my house. I normally don't go for stuff like that. But I eat a lot of popcorn because I love popcorn and I make a lot of popcorn. And it's very much, yeah, 
Yeah, that that's that's too cool for school. It is pretty cool. And now you know. Go get your own. Don't pay fifty bucks on the eBay's. The Simpsons' most recent season has been so damn good. Now, last season was good. And I know a lot of people have said, you know, the Simpsons fell off a cliff with, you know, season 10 all the way through 12. And Simpsons had kind of become, in my mind, just kind of a warm fuzzy. I like spending my time with the people in Springfield. But last year it kicked up. And this year has been phenomenally good. They're playing with the formula. They've got new writers who are bringing in stuff. But here's the big thing, Joe. It is laugh out loud funny. There are they are delivering classic lines that people will be quoting years from now, just like in the early days. Uh, the one that I loved the most this week was they flashed back to when Ned Flanders was a substitute teacher and they show more of that and as Ned Flanders is kicked out you know he's kicked out of the school and he says God loves you and Willie answers nobody loves Willie <laughs> nobody loves Willie <laughs> they are they, it's a really good season they're playing with the formula I cannot express how much fun I have watching the show comic wise I'm only going to point out two that I've read lately because they first, both of them are by Mark Wade. And second, it's one of those where I started reading. It's like, okay, I need it all. I need it all. I need it all. And the first is Batman versus Robin. And I went into it just knowing the title and what they said in previews. Mark Wade, first off, he grabs tons of stuff from the DC continuity because that's who he is. The second thing he does is there are twists in this story that I did not see coming, which again, I've been reading comics for 40 some years. Anytime you could surprise me, I'm excited. And then the explosion of, you know, the Lazarus planet is basically the Lazarus pit has exploded and is changing heroes and making changes to the DC universe. And in a lot of ways, it's, it's almost like a soft revamp on some characters. I like the revamp they did for uh, firestorm. I like the revamp they did for Martian Manhunter. I like the, the stuff they've added in other places. They also set up stories. So they set up a story that's going to happen in wonder woman and the Batman versus Robin isn't even over yet. So I really, really enjoyed those. When those come out as hardcovers or trade paperbacks, highly recommend that you pick them up. Believe it or not, kids, I have been talking comics for four hours now because I recorded an interview with the uncanny Omar of Near Mint Condition before I worked with Joe. So I've got an interview with with a huge Omnibus fan. And now Joe and I have taught comics, and I'm amazed my voice is still holding up. Cool. And as we say every week, the comic we like the least, we still like better than the comic that you uh, like the most. Joe? Well, I'd wanted to tell you an excellent ice pun, but the problem is it just slipped my mind. But you don't like my winter pun? How cold. Uh, Again, there are winters and losers. Oh, make it stop.
It's a winterful life. Oh, go ahead. Hit my music.